Loving Father in heaven, praise, glory, honor, and adoration be unto your name for your love which you have bestowed upon us. You have given to us food and shelter and clothing. You have protected us, guided us, granted us good health, healed us of our diseases, comforted us in our sicknesses. You've given us spiritual blessings. Your heavenly angels are always watching over us. You have blessed us with intelligence of your word and the knowledge of you. Glory be to your name, O Lord. We pray that as we go through the words of our devotion this morning, you will still do the same thing for us. Help us, Lord, to know you more, that we may rejoice in the knowledge of God. Put your words in our mouth, that we may speak blessings to everyone who would be listening to us. Grant us of your spirit, O Lord. In Jesus' name I have prayed. Amen. Our High Calling, June 18. The Outflow of Love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. When the heavenly principle of eternal love fills the heart, it will flow out to others, not merely because favors are received of them, but because love is the principle of action and modifies the character, governs the impulses, controls the passions, subdues enmity, and elevates the affections. This love is not contracted so as merely to include me and mine, but is as broad as the world and as high as heaven. It is in harmony with that of the angel workers. This love, cherished in the soul, sweetens the entire life and sheds a refining influence on all around. Possessing it, we cannot but be happy let fortune smile or frown. And if we love God with all the heart, we must love his children also. This love is the Spirit of God. It is the heavenly adorning that gives true nobility and dignity to the soul. A soul filled with the love of Jesus lends to the words the manners, the looks, hope, courage, and serenity. It awakens a desire for a better life. Souls ready to faint are strengthened. Those struggling against temptation will be fortified and comforted. The words, the expression, the manners throw out a bright ray of sunshine and leave behind them a clear path toward heaven. Every one of us has opportunities of helping others. We are constantly making impressions upon the youth about us. The expression of the countenance is itself a mirror of the life within. Jesus desires that we shall become like himself, filled with tender sympathy exerting 
a ministry of love in the small duties of life. Our duty is to live in the atmosphere of Christ's love, to breathe his love deeply and to reflect its warmth around us. Oh, what a sphere of influences open before us! How carefully we should cultivate the garden of the soul so that it may bring forth only pure, sweet, fragrant flowers, words of love, tenderness and charity sanctify our influence over others. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is The Outflow of Love. For the past two days, we have been looking at this, this concept of love. Love as a principle, love as the character of God. The Bible tells us God is love. I believe that should be 1 John 4 verse 7. God is love. Uh, and we should understand that when we say God is love, that means everything about God's character is love. And if we want to be like God, created in the image of God, being restored to the image of God, then we must focus on being like Him and reflecting His character of love. What is spirituality? Spirituality is not just about teaching doctrine and understanding what the Bible says and being able to teach it to others and uh, being able to break it down, understanding prophecies and all of that. In fact, I remember the book of Romans, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where Paul was writing about love and he compared it to the gift of prophecy and gift of tongues and the gift of martyrdom and all of that. And he said, if we have all that and we have not love, we have nothing. We are nothing. If you are able to speak tongues of angels and of men and are able to understand all prophecies and all teachings, we are nothing if we don't have love. Why? Because love is a true spirituality. Love is the works of God. It is what shows that we have the character of God. You see, the Bible tells us in the book of James chapter 1 verse 27, says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. This is what it means to be spiritual and to practice the word of God, like it says, pure religion. It is not just about understanding the word of God and knowing what it says and being able to teach it and being correct as to your doctrine. That's not what it is. But it also is about practice, good works. Like it says here, visiting the fatherless and widows in their affliction and then also keeping yourself unspotted, which is not allowing yourself to be in sin. We show love through our words, kind words shows that we love. We are to speak words that are loving and kind to others. Compassion, sympathy are well in place and they are indeed signs of the outflow of love. If we must be uh, kind, we shouldn't be kind only to a few people. Our kindness is to, and even our good works, not just kindness, is to be for the whole world. 
it's not just to be to our neighbors or to our relatives like friends and all it's to even be to strangers when we read the book of luke 14 reading from verse 12 to 14 jesus said something listen he says then said he also to them to him that bade him when thou makest a dinner or a supper call not thy friends nor thy brethren neither thy kinsmen nor thy rich neighbors lest they also bid thee again and a recompense be made thee but when thou makest a feast call the poor the maimed the lame the blind and thou shalt be blessed for they cannot recompense thee as they cannot pay you back for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just amen there are some who think that they love and yes it's a, it's a bit of love but take note that your love can be selfish and when it is selfish it's no longer love because there is no selfishness in love you do good to your children and to your husband or wife to your brother to your sister your brother's friend your this you have to know someone they have to be connected to you somehow before you do good to them your sister's uh, friend's husband hmm? And you feel that you need to know someone before you do good to them or they need to be highly pleased there's potential in this person that they will help me in the future jesus said when you are doing your good good deeds call people who you know will never be able to pay you back and also do it to strangers because you may never see them again and that's why we know now I'm not doing this because I can see in the future how I'm going to get paid back. But if I do it to my son, brother, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. Those are responsibilities. But your motive should not be, oh, I'm doing it for my friend, my relative, because I know that one way or another I'll get paid back. Or I'm doing it to the rich because I know somehow they'll also give me something. But set your motive, set your heart. Why are you doing it? Can you do it for a stranger also? Can you do it for someone who you know will never be able to pay you back? And you know they are making a complete sacrifice? Jesus says that is exactly what you should do. And some of us may give an excuse. We'll talk about the excuses later, but let's just keep going first of all as to what it means to show love. Love has no partiality. There's no favoritism. It's not based on gender or age or color of the skin. Why is it that our love should be shown only to certain gender? I'll tell you a story. When I was younger, I had a friend in church and he had something I wanted, which I cannot remember exactly what it was. It may have been a food item or something else I wanted to use. And I begged him to give me this thing. And he refused. And other people too, I remember, we have asked him, they asked him. And he refused to give any of us. And then, just a few moments later, the thing we were asking for we saw it i saw it with a lady a young a, 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 a girl in the church and i went to ask my friend i thought you said you couldn't give us this thing now i'm seeing it with this girl why and he said to me it's just a natural phenomenon we are drawn towards the ladies and i said to myself god forbid I will try my best to ensure that this does not happen to me. I, I, I felt irritated at his answer. But I would like to say perhaps yes, it's a natural phenomenon that we are drawn to show 
favoritism to the opposite sex, male to female, female to male, but that is carnal love. Our good deeds are not to be reserved for the opposite sex alone. It is to spread around equally to everybody, not because of the person's gender. You see, people want to open the door for the ladies when they are walking out. Why can't you open it for your fellow man too? You want to open the door when she's entering the car. And in the Victorian age, when a lady comes to the dining, everybody stands and then push the chair for her to sit down. Why don't you do it for men too? Does that not show you something is wrong? Will Jesus do this kind of false courtesy? You see, Jesus will show love to everybody equally and not do his love based on gender. Many men are wicked to their fellow men. But when they see ladies, they become soft. And then they start to show some compassion and sympathy. But they don't show the same compassion and sympathy to their fellow men. And you say you love, you are just following your flesh. You need to learn to show love to your fellow men. And the same with ladies, the same thing. And then there are men too who would not be good to their family members, their children, their wife. But when strangers come to ask for money just because they want to answer a good name, they are, oh, they say they are liberal, they give. But when the wife asks, they don't give. And same like I said with ladies, they prepare food for their strangers in the home but not well for their children. I think my brother will talk about that. And then you see that we are showing carnal love. This is not real love because true love does not look at gender, does not look at your estate, whether you are rich or poor. It does not look at the color of the skin. And that's another one that is a problem today. We all have different colors of the skin, but not, there's no different kind of blood, you know. Our blood running in our veins is still the same thing. But some people show good deeds and love and sympathy and compassion and kindness and words just based on the color of the skin. This needs to be taken away because in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female. We must learn this. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. Many of us are getting to know that, but some of us haven't still understood, understood that there is neither male nor female. Jesus is good to all and we must be good to all. Be careful lest your love, your patience, your long-suffering, your kindness is only shown to the opposite sex, only shown to a certain color of skin, only shown to the rich. We must be careful to ensure that the same patience we manifest with the opposite sex, we manifest with the same sex. The same long-suffering and sympathy and compassion we give to our friends and the rich, we should also give to the stranger and to the poor. We should be careful about these things because we may think, oh, I'm loving, I'm good, but scrutinize yourself properly and you may find out that that's not the case. We show love also by strengthening the faint and encouraging those in temptation. Some of us think it's a good thing to just expose people who are in sin. When you see people who are struggling, struggling with temptation, the best you can do is to encourage. It is not to reiterate to them how this is an evil thing and how this is bad. The reiteration of precept will not do good as much as when you show love in kind deeds and sometimes don't even mention the issue. Pray for the person instead of giving precept and telling them how evil and how bad this thing is and how it's going to destroy them. Some of them already know, most who already know, why are you saying it again? Just encourage the person because the person is struggling. It's not that they are enjoying and wallowing in sin because they enjoy it, but you see that the person is struggling. 
what you need to do is encourage strengthen them with good words sometimes divert their mind away from the issue don't even mention it turn the eyes to christ mentioning it how will it solve the problem do you not know that is by become beholding christ to become changed if you can be let them behold christ don't you know that it will transform that habit that you think is bad in them instead of you focusing on the habits and making them feel ashamed and turning away from you that's not how to show love there are cases where of course you need to rebuke when someone is doing evil and they are not even turning an eye batting an eye at it doing it continuously you rebuke but when you see that this person is struggling in the sense of remorse not wanting to do this but yet finding themselves falling you need to encourage that way you would fortify them with strength and help them those who are sick and weak you help them too that way the love gives them a, a, a reason to live they are strengthened you see these are ways that we can show love one to another and this love does not depend like it says here on whether fortune smiles on us or whether fortune frowns on us the, the widow who entertained uh, elijah did not give an excuse that she didn't have much and that's why she couldn't take care of elijah he that is faithful in that which is least will be faithful in much in that kind of situation this widow with her last food for her and her son still did good to elijah it was not dependent on whether she had so much even though she didn't have much she gave that leads me to the next part where i want to talk about now the excuses we give for not showing love one of the excuses we give i'll just say now like i said now is we we lack i lack i don't have that's why i can't give but what did jesus teach us some of us know how to pray very well for our own things oh i want this i want that give to me give to me but why can't you pray for god to give you so that you can give others in the book of luke 11 reading from verse 8 from verse 5 rather it says and he said unto them jesus said unto them which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him friend lend me three loaves for a friend of mine is in his journey in his journey is come to me and i have nothing to set before him and he from within shall answer and say trouble me not the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed i cannot rise and give thee i say unto you though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needed and then jesus said ask and it shall be given but in what context was he saying ask ask so that you can give others he just told a story that it was not this person who was in need somebody else was in need and had come to his house and this person did not say go away i don't have instead what did he do he went to ask from someone else and say please give me so that i can give to my friend it is not an excuse that you don't have if you don't have you ask reading from the book testimonies for the church page one page 29 28 to 29 it says i have okay testimony for the church volume 2 page 28 to 29 says i have heard many excuse themselves from inviting to their homes and hearts the saints of god why i have nothing prepared i have nothing cooked they must go to some other place and at that place there may be some other excuse invented for not receiving those who need hospitality and the feelings of the visitors are deeply grieved and they live with unpleasant impressions in regard to the hospitality of these professed brethren and sisters if you have no bread sister imitate the case brought to view in the bible go to your neighbor and say friend lend me three loaves for a friend of mine 
in his journey is come to me and i have nothing to set before him we have not an example of this lack of bread ever being made an excuse to refuse entrance to an applicant when elijah came to the widow of sarepta she shared her morsel with the prophet of god and he wrought a miracle and and caused that in the act of making a home for his servant and sharing her muscle with him, she herself was sustained, and her life and that of her son preserved. Thus will it prove in the case of many, if they do this cheerfully for the glory of God. Amen. Another excuse that people give for not uh, helping others is the excuse of, like I said earlier, I don't know him. But what does the Bible say? Hebrews 13 verse 2. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Reading from the same book, Testimonies, Volume 2, this time page 27-28, it says, Years ago, I was shown that God's people would be tested upon this point of making homes for the homeless, that there will be many without homes in consequence of their believing the truth. Opposition and persecution will deprive believers of their homes. And it was the duty of those who had homes to open a wide door to those who had not. I have been shown more recently that God would specially test his professed people in reference to this matter. Christ for our sakes became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. He made a sacrifice that he might provide a home for pilgrims and strangers in the world seeking for a better country, even and heavenly. Shall those who are subjects of his grace who are expecting to be heirs of immortality, refuse or even feel reluctant to share their homes with the homeless and needy? Shall we, who are disciples of Jesus, refuse strangers an entrance to our doors because they can claim no acquaintance with its inmates? I am daily pained with exhibitions of selfishness among our people. There is an alarming absence of love and care for those who are entitled to it. Our Heavenly Father lays blessings disguised in our pathway, but some will not touch these for fear they will detract from their enjoyment. Angels are waiting to see if we embrace opportunities within our reach of doing good, waiting to see if we will bless others, that they in turn, in their turn may bless us, that the angels now will bless us. The Lord himself has made us to differ, some poor, some rich, some afflicted that all may have an opportunity to develop character. The poor are purposely permitted to be thoughts of God, that we may be tested and proved and develop what is in our hearts. Amen. So when you are giving the excuse that I don't know this person, that's why I cannot allow them into my house, remember that God is testing you. Another excuse that people give is, I have other plans. I want to do something with this money. Sometimes you may have other plans. But remember that the Bible says in Proverbs 3 verse 27 and 28, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thy hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, Go, and come again, and tomorrow I will give thee, when thou hast it, by thee. Remember. Another excuse people give is their ill health. That's what they give. And I want to read from the same book. Testimonies Volume 2. This time I'll be reading from page 29, paragraph 1. Some plead their poor health. They would love to do if they had strength. Such have so long shut themselves up to themselves and thought so much of their own poor feelings and talked so much of their sufferings, trials, and afflictions that it is their 
present truth. They can think of no one but them, but self. However much others may be in need of sympathy and assistance, you who are suffering with poor health, there is a remedy for you. If thou clothe the naked and bring the poor that are cast out to thy house and deal thy bread to the hungry, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily. That is from Isaiah chapter 58, reading from verse 7 downward. Continuing the reading, it says, Doing good is an excellent remedy for disease. Those who engage in the work are invited to call upon God, and He has pledged Himself to answer them. Their souls shall be satisfied in drought, and they shall be like a watered garden whose waters fail not. Wake up, brethren and sisters. Do not be afraid of good works. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Do not wait to be told your duty. Open your eyes and see who are around you. Make yourselves acquainted with the helpless, afflicted, and needy. Hide not yourselves from them and seek not to shut out their, their needs. Who gives the proofs mentioned in James of possessing pure religion, untainted with selfishness or corruption? Who are anxious to do all in their power to aid in the great plan of salvation? End of quote. And still, another excuse that many give is, hmm, this person is not my friend. In fact, they are my enemy. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 5, reading from verse 43? I read it for you. You have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you that you may be children of your father which is in heaven for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust for if you love them which love you what reward have ye do not even the publicans the same and if you salute your brethren only what do ye more than others do not even publicans so be ye therefore perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect so lord god god wants us to understand i know that these things sound tough many times i go around this this teaching and the one of turn the other cheek causes problems people don't want to hear it because of the practicality but people want to hear prophecy oh yes daniel 2 revelation 13 revelation 14 you want to hear those ones but when it comes to practical truths now that will change your life. Of course, what does Daniel 2 tell? It doesn't change my life. It's also, if you, of course, if you understand spirituality, it can change your life. But many just takes the the theory of it. Oh, Daniel 2, head of gold down to belly and thighs of this and feet of iron and all of that. After learning it, nothing is changing. But when we come to the practical teachings that Jesus practiced and taught, he was slapped on one cheek and he turned the other. When he he loved his enemies. Yesterday's devotion, we talked about that on the cross. He could say, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he was doing good to them while on the cross, dying for their sins. He loved his enemies and he's teaching us, love your enemies. If you love only your friends, that's not true love. Get it today. Jesus taught it two times. I've already read it before when we read the book of Luke. where He was talking about when you make a feast. When you do it just for your friends and your relatives, they can pay you back and your motive is not clear 
you are doing it just because maybe you can get something back or it's your flesh your blood you are doing it to them responsibility and the fact that you can get something from them shows that there's some selfishness still in it do you want to know if you are not selfish do good to your enemies do you want to know if you're not selfish? If you truly love, love your enemies. Love strangers, people who are poor, who can never pay you back. Then we know that you are really, sel- you are really selfless. You can show good deeds to your enemies and do good to them and love them. And that is what Jesus teaches us. But then, there are those who would say another excuse. You see, hmm, this world is a very wicked place. Do you know how many people I have done good to and do you know how they paid me back? I cannot do it again. You see, Jesus said in the last days, in Matthew 24, while prophesying about the last days, he said this about you, if that's what you are saying. And it was not a positive prophecy, but a negative one that will happen to people in the book of Matthew, reading chapter 24, verse 11. Or let me verse 12, he says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold is that what is happening to you because people have done iniquity and evil to you has your love grown cold i'll read now testimonies volume 2 reading now from verse uh, page 31 paragraph 2 you may say you have been taken in and have bestowed your means upon those unworthy of your charity and therefore have become discouraged in trying to help the needy. I present Jesus before you. He came to save fallen man to bring salvation to his own nation, but they would not accept him. They treated his mercy with insult and contempt, and at length they put to death him who came for the purpose of giving them life. Did our Lord did our Lord turn from the fallen race because of this? Though your efforts for good have been unsuccessful 99 times, and you received only insult, reproach, and hate, yet if the 100th time proves a success and one soul is saved, oh, what a victory is achieved! One soul wrenched from Satan's grasp, one soul benefited, one soul encouraged. This will a thousand times repay you for all your efforts. To you will Jesus say, Inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Should we not gladly do all we can to imitate the life of our divine divine Lord? Many shrink at the idea of making any sacrifice for others' good. They are not willing to suffer for the sake of helping others. They flatter themselves that it is not required of them to disadvantage themselves for the benefit of others. To such we say, Jesus is our example. When the request was made for the two sons of Zebedee to sit the one on his right hand and the other on his left in his kingdom, Jesus answered, You know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. How many can answer, we can drink of the cup? We can be baptized with the baptism and make the answer understandingly. How many imitate the great exemplar? All who have professed to be followers of Christ have 
in taking this step pledged themselves to walk even as he walked. Yet the course of many who make high professions of the truth shows that they make but little reference to the pattern in conforming their lives thereto. They shape their course to meet their own imperfect standard. They do not imitate the self-denial of Christ or his life of sacrifice for others' good. End of quote. God wants us to understand our duty in showing love to others for Christ's sake, not for their sake, but for Christ's sake because God has a reward prepared for us. But don't do it for the reward. Do it as a principle. Let love be a principle of life for you. I do understand that the excuses we give may sound as if they are true excuses to us and all these excuses I have listed. But if you have faith in God, you will not give those excuses. I don't have. Why don't you ask from God and he will give you so that you can give others. Do you only ask because you want for yourself? I'm sick. Do you remember that in doing good, your own, you can get a real reward. Sickness can go away through doing good to others. He is my enemy. But do you want to convert your enemy? Do good to them. How about you? You've been an enemy of God and God has been doing good to you. And all the other excuses that has been listed. Remember that all these excuses do not hold water with God because he has given us all the provision for us to grow to be like him. These things are coming to us as tests so that we can have the character of Christ. God makes some poor, some rich, afflict some while others are doing well. Why? So that both can develop character. Because these situations are the situations that God has been facing and he has shown his character to the afflicted he helps. To us who are poor, he gives us. When we are, uh, have been wicked to him, he shows us love. And he allows us to be in different situations in different times in life so that we can have the opportunity to develop that same character that he has. It's my prayer that we will take advantage of these opportunities and develop the character of God. Amen. Reading from the third paragraph, it says that the atmosphere that surrounds the soul is fraught with influence for good or evil. It may be full of poison and malaria, or be fragrant and pure and health-giving. I repeat, did you know that you can make people sick just by your influence? But you can also help be a fragrant. Influence is indeed a talent, and it is a power for good when the sacred fire of God's kindling is brought into our service. Remember when Jesus was going about preaching, so the work of grace in the heart is small and in its beginning, a word is spoken, a ray of light is shared into the soul, an influence ex exerted that in the beginning it's small, but that is the beginning of the new life, and who can measure its results? Example, when Grandma Lois was teaching baby Timothy, she did not know that she was laying the foundation of one who will later become the pastor of the largest church in the world. Every soul is surrounded by an atmosphere of its own. An atmosphere, it may be, charged with the life-giving power of faith, courage, and hope, and sweet with the fragrance of love. 
Or it may be heavy and chill with the gloom of discontent and selfishness, or poisonous with the deadly taint of cherished sin. By the atmosphere surrounding us, every person with whom we come in contact is consciously or unconsciously affected. This is a responsibility from which we cannot free ourselves. Our words, our acts, our dress, our deportment, even the expression of the countenance has an influence. I find it also very true that when, whenever you see a man walking maybe in the crowd or in a crowded street and the man gets to the middle of a crowd of people and then suddenly looks up, you see that everybody around there who saw the man look up, they also begin to look up. That's what influence can do. Christians especially are counseled to be neat in dress. God frowns at an untidy person. How do you value the country whose ambassador is always unkept? I will always remember in the literature evangelist class where we were told that we should always polish our shoes for the souls of men depends on it. Now the first time they told us that I was struggling I thought it was worldliness but I saw it firsthand by experience that the moment you knock on the door and the door opens and the inmates begins to pick on you they begin to look at you from your head to your toe remember that you are a stranger so they don't even know who you are they're trying to form an opinion of you three seconds from the time they saw your face the next place is that they, be, they look at your shoes, then your dress, then the way you address them. All these might close the door to your message or open it for its entrance. That's the power of influence. Upon the impression thus made, they hang results for good or evil, which no man can measure. Every impulse thus imparted is seed sown, which will produce its harvest. It is a link in the long chain of human events extending where we know not whither. It is for the power of influence that God says he will bring every word and act into judgment. Every man's walk passes in review before God and is and registered for faithfulness or unfaithfulness. Opposite each name in the books of heaven is entered with terrible exactness every wrong word every selfish act every unfulfilled duty every secret sin with every artful dissembling heaven sent warnings or reproofs neglected wasted moments unimproved opportunities the influence exerted for good or for evil with its far-reaching results all are chronicled by the recording angels if by our example we aid others in the development of good principles, we give them power to do good. In their turn, they exact the same influence upon others, and they upon still others. Thus, by our unconscious influence, thousands may be blessed. Throw a pebble into the lake, and a wave is formed, and another, and another, and as they increase, the circle widens until it reaches the very shore so with our influence beyond our knowledge or control it tells upon others in blessings 
awe in cursing. Character is power. The silent witness of a true, unselfish, godly life carries an almost irresistible influence. By revealing in our own life the character of Christ, we cooperate with Him in the work of saving souls. It is only by revealing in our life His character that we can cooperate with Him. And the wider the sphere of our influence, the more good we may do. When those who profess to serve God allow and follow Christ's example, practicing the principles of the law in their daily life, it has been spoken of, when every act bears witness that they love God supremely and their neighbor as themselves, then will the church have power to move the world. But never should it be forgotten that influence is no less a power for evil. To lose one's own soul is a terrible thing, but to cause the loss of other souls is still more terrible. That our influence should be a server of death unto death is a fearful thought, yet this is possible. Many who profess to gather with Christ are scattering from Him. This is why the church is so weak. You see, you can testify that many indulge freely in criticism and accusing by giving expression to suspicion, jealousy, and discontent, they yield themselves as instruments to Satan. Before they realize that they are what they are doing, the adversary has through them accomplished his purpose. The impression of every evil has been made. The shadow has been cast. The arrows of Satan have found their net and their mark. Distrust unbelief and downright infidelity have fastened upon those who otherwise might have accepted Christ. Meanwhile, the workers for Satan look complacently upon those whom they have driven to skepticism and who are now hardened against reproof and entreaty. They flatter themselves that in comparison with these souls, they are vicious and righteous. They do not realize that these sad wrecks of character are the work of their own unbridled tongues and rebellious hearts. It is through their influence that these tempted ones have fallen. So frivolity, selfish indulgence, and careless indifference on the path of professed Christians are turning away many souls from the path of life. Now this is a warning because sometimes people want to drag you into gossip. Be very wary of lending your ears to support such evil in the church. Many there are who will fear to meet at the bar of God the result of their influence. It is only through the grace of God that we can make a right use of this endowment. There is nothing in us of ourselves by which we can influence others for good if we realize our helplessness and our need of divine power we shall not trust to ourselves. Thus our influence may be a silent, unconscious, birth mighty power in drawing others to Christ and the heavenly world. For mothers now, mothers are weak to the fact that your influence and example are affecting the character and destiny of your children. 
and in view of your responsibility develop a well-balanced mind and a pure character reflecting only the true the good and the beautiful you know the phrase where people always say that like mother like daughter the power of a mother's prayers cannot be too highly estimated she who kneels before her son and daughter through the vicissitudes of childhood through the perils of youth will never know till the judgment the influence of her prayers upon the life of her children if she is connected by faith with the son of god the mother's tender hand may hold back her son from the power of temptation may restrain her daughter from indulging in sin when passion is warring for the mastery the power of love the restraining earnest determined influence of the mother may balance the soul on the right on the side of right great responsibilities rest upon you mothers although you may not stand in national councils you may do a great work for god and your country you may educate your children you may aid them to develop characters that will not be swayed or influenced to do evil but will sway and influence others to do right by your fervent prayers of faith you can move the arm that moves the world the influence of a holy life is felt at home and abroad the practical benevolence the self-denial and self-sacrifice which mark the life of a man have an influence for good upon those with whom he associates now there is a note here mothers there is danger that because as wives you've been with your husband for a time now and you begin to lose respect for him somehow and unconsciously you begin to treat him as as the gate man when you serve him even when you serve him food you serve him casually and then when strangers come you bring the best plates you see those things we do we are telling even upon the children they see the difference and the big day too subconsciously begins to raise the stranger higher than the man of the house you must show respect at all times to the husband that married you you must show respect because that example is what the children copy show respect even when you don't feel like it show respect even when it doesn't make sense let me draw your attention to the power of influence how men reason sometimes you show disrespect by buying those things without his consent he didn't know you just bought them because you have the money and then he begins to feel like he's losing control and when a man has lost control he's easily discouraged show respect unto his advice and opinions the two has become one whatever you want to do bring him into the council let him be the man also of your council that you may counsel together and do things and you show him that kind of great respect in turn the respect will boom around back you see when children learn learn to act like you when they go to their own homes they will show respect to their husbands and if and if but if the influence tips on the other side you see the society today is full of separations because the two did not indeed become one the human family is composed of responsible moral agents and from the highest 
and most gifted to the lowest and most obscure. All are invested with the goods of heaven. All that we are or can be belongs to God. Education, discipline, and skill in every line should be used for Him. The capital is His and the improvement is the usury that rightly belongs to the Master. Whether the amount entrusted is large or small, the Lord requires that his householder do their best. It is the absence of the Spirit that makes the gospel ministry so powerless. Learning, talent, eloquence, every natural or acquired endowment may be possessed, but without the presence of the Spirit of God, no heart will be touched, no sinner warns of Christ. On the other hand, if they are connected with Christ, if the gifts of the Spirit are theirs, the poorest and the most ignorant of his disciples will have a power that will tell upon hearts. God makes them channels for the outflowing of the highest influence in the universe. Children and youth should begin early to seek God, for early habits and impressions will frequently exert a powerful influence upon the life and character. Therefore, the youth who will be like Samuel, John, and especially like Christ, must be faithful in the things which are least, turning away from the companions who plan evil and who think that their life in this world is to be one of pleasure and self-indulgence. You see, we have work to do. We must come to Christ. And receive from him the talent and the power of the Holy Spirit to guide the, the, the talent that we make a wise use of it and it improves and increases and with those talents and gifts we are to draw men to Christ may this be our experience in Jesus name amen let us pray our Heavenly Father who is sufficient for these things when we see the enormity and the height that we must attain, how love must outflow and overflow us to others that we are not supposed to hold or keep back the blessings of heaven. When we see that love is the principle of action and modifies the character and governs the impulses, O oh Lord, we pray that you continue to help us, that you strengthen us, equip us for these expressions of love, that we may love like you loved, that we may show to the world that we have an indwell in Christ. Help us, O oh Lord, to this end. This is our prayer to Christ our Lord. Amen.